Konnichiwa, everybody. I'm Bird. Uh, we are starting a new show this week. This is Petrichor City of Adventure. It is using the standard 5th edition system, so no weird one-shots this time around. Uh, we have almost entirely a new cast, with the exception of Digi, who is returning from all of the other games I've been in with them. Hi! <laughs> yep, I'm Digi. Thanks for having me on this one, and I will be playing the mighty Bosch. Oh, he's not that mighty. Oh, is um, he? I'm just waiting for my call. Oh, I, I was basically just going to let everyone both call off on it. Um, All right. In the in the same order. So, Hello, Aries. Uh, I'm, yes, hi. Uh, I'm Aries. Uh, her. I don't really care. Do whatever you want. Uh, I'm playing Eleanor, our lovely cleric, who has... A lovely best friend, known as Melander, will be accompanying her. Uh, Sam? Hello, my name's Sam, he, they, either one of those. I will be playing a fawn ranger named Alistair, who lives in the Cathedra Botanica in the Groundskeeper Shed. He's about... 5'2 tall, excluding his horns, and he's just a little he's just a little guy, you know? Antipy, or Pre. Hi, I'm Pre. Well, that's why I go by online, at least. Um, and uh, she, her, and I'll be playing Antiope, the paladin. Hi, I'm Bree, or Breezy, if you need to help to uh, keep me separate from Pre. Um, I'm playing Eliza, who is the other paladin in this case. Oh, that's wonderful. Our names sound similar, and we're two paladins. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. The coincidence. Oh, no. The two of them just doing the Spider-Man meme on the first day of school. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and finally, Day. Yeah. Hi, I'm Day. I'll be playing the roguish Nadir. Not so roguish. Um... He likes uh, being alone, being in the dark. So maybe kind of roguish? No, he just has social anxiety. This is true. Don't we all? I mean, we all do, yeah. I mean, Eleanor so has it because of Melander. Yeah. So now that we've got everybody introduced, ladies, gentlemen, everyone in between, welcome to Petrichor. At the mouth of the Sunfall Bay on the western edge of the Tetran continent, Nestled between the twin peaks of the Goathorn Mountains is a glimmering city. The statue of Kareem, goddess of water, the tides and sailors, marks the harbor, glowing with pale blue witchlight at night to guide the merchant steamships and windsail schooners home. At the edges of the city where it threatens to spill into the bay, there is a crowded clutter of wooden scaffolds, disused ships, and shanties that lean against the seawall, holding back the high tide. Above the city, chained to the mountains and linked by cable cars, are massive chunks of floating stone dotted with manors, estates, and whole neighborhoods. The city beneath climbs partway up the slope of the goat horns, forming stairway-like terraces surrounding the dense bustle of the center. Far below the floating islands, among the slanting shanties and repurposed ships and pontoon bridges, is a four-masted bark with the masts snapped off, forever anchored to the bay floor and lashed to the platform of a makeshift canal. In the midden bunk room, converted to a single bedroom, sleeps a young loxodon, Digi, if you would describe your character. Right. So, uh, Bosch 
is about average size for a Luxodon, which are pretty tall. So he's actually seven foot six, towering over most people. Uh, he is a Luxodon, which is basically an elephant person. And uh, his casual to go wear is a vest and Daisy Dukes and some boots. <laughs> it does get pretty muggy down here with uh, regards to the fact that you live more or less directly on the ocean. Uh, your bunk is more or less what most people would consider a four-poster bed. Uh, it is appropriately sized and reinforced for someone of your stature. And as you step out and get dressed, what are what is on the what is your what is Bosch's daily life like as he begins the last day of summer? So uh, Bosch sleeps in a little bit, but uh, when he comes down to the like common area, he's got his whole extended family there eating breakfast, and they're a loud, noisy bunch. There are several huge tables, some of which are made from barrels, some of which are made from big spools of what used to be cable. Some are actual tables. Um, your father, mother, uncles, aunts, cousins, brothers, sisters, there's a good 25 locks on here, all chatting and playing games, and your uncle, who is more or less the person who started you down the path that led you to applying to the academy is playing bridge with your father and he just oh there's the boy ah father how are you today it's a great morning isn't it can hardly feel the mugginess wonderful morning you're late for breakfast you're going to have to uh you're going to have to get the scraps from your cousins Ah, no, they deserve to have the fighting head start. I'm raring to go, I just want to give the give myself a challenge. <laughs> That's my boy. Say, you're headed back to school tomorrow, aren't you? That's right, it's the new semester, I'm eager to meet, see my friends again. It's been wonderful seeing y'all again, it's just, ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> You always were the smartest of us. Yes. But, uh, don't, uh, don't run up debts. You know how it is with us. Big family, lots of mouths to feed. Of course. Hey, he did I sh show you? I put the fish... Trunk. Oh, sorry. He reaches down with his trunk and pulls out a small pouch, which he tosses to you. And I catch it with my trunk. Won this at the poker hall last night. I figured it might be nice to have a little running around money for your first couple weeks at school. I appreciate it. You must have had a better hand than you have now. Oh, I didn't mean to say that out loud, did I? And I wink at my uncle who's playing against him. <laughs> uh, your uncle trumpets with laughter. Just absolute <laughs> elephant noise. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we all trump it back at him. <laughs> the whole... It used to be the cargo hold of this ship. Uh, is now the dining room calm. It's basically piled with every kind of furniture from every 
rummage sale and discount place, and just about everywhere. Like, there's stuff, overstuffed armchairs, there's uh, big benches that... One of them looks like a church pew, and you're not sure how that happened, and you're afraid to ask. <laughs> this stuff just happens, you know? The family just collects like this, and your littlest cousins still, um, maybe five or six, start running around your ankles just, Bosh! 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 Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> What's going on? What's the news? Would one of them clings to your leg, wrapping both of his beefy arms around your, around what he can fit of your massive trunk of a leg and just, you're leaving again. Yes, yes. And I pick one up with my trunk to, oh wait, hold on. You know, when you said five or six, I thought five or six cousins, and then I realized you meant that as an age. <laughs> five, five or six of them, and there are, and they are about five or six. Both yes, are correct. Okay. Okay, good. Then I'm going to pick them all. I'm going to try and pick them all up. Uh, you know, two in arms, one in the trunk, and then I am going to activate my telekinesis to try and lift one up onto the shoulders. Because Bosch is a psychic elephant. Amazing. So you haul your littlest cousin, who's maybe two or three. Um, with your telekinesis and rest him on top of your head. <laughs> and you go parading through, stomping like a kaiju, through your family's, through your family's home and prepare for, for your goodbyes for the day. Yes, and I'm going to steal a little bit of breakfast like straight off the cousin's plate with the telekinesis too, just wham -a -nam -a -nam -a -nam. Sorry, <laughs> have to be a little quicker than that. <laughs> And with that, we're going to join our next character. At the foot of the staircase, the winding, paved streets climb up the foot of the eastern Goathorn. There's a small neighborhood of shops, eateries, and businesses in the traditional two-story style. Along Hartman Street is a small tea house called the Silver Chain, quiet in the mid-morning. In the attic, converted to a small loft, wakes a young woman, rousing at the smell of coffee and biscuits from the kitchen below, and the twittering sound of Gigi Birds at her open window. Ares, if you would describe your character. Uh, well, Eleanor's pretty short, even though she looks like an elf. She's about five foot two. Uh, she's 17. Uh, she has platinum, uh, white hair. Uh, her eyes are a deep-set purple, and it looks like, even though she might have been sleeping, it looks like she still has heavy, dark, uh, dark eyes. And she looks barely awake. Uh, Shorty is wearing the things that she usually does because she probably just passed out face first in her bed as she's wearing a long uh, black dress and she immediately grabs the coat that hangs over her bed frame. It's, uh, it's long and red with uh, inseams of flowers on it. And she probably immediately gets up out of bed checking to make sure that she didn't sleep in and is late for work again. So, at your open window, there are a number of the smallest, cutest birds you've seen. Some of the only things that haven't been afraid of you for a long time. They are probably too dumb to feel fear. And they have 
wide, blown-out saucer eyes and tiny little beaks. And all of them just sort of, like, they look a little like the porgs from Star Wars, but, but as actual mm-hmm. birds. And they toddle up to your to your windowsill and start chittering. Just... Hi, Charles. Hi, Megan. How are the kids? Oh, look at them. Oh, they're so cute and lovely. Oh, hi. As she walks over immediately, ignoring the clock that she didn't even look at yet. As you walk into the beam of sunlight from the open window, your shadow distends and lengthens in a way that it should not when you're in the light. And rising from your shadow, like almost stand, almost sort of levering up from the floor, is a shadowy, smoky shape that coalesces into one you're familiar with. Uh, mm. It is rapidly co- forming into the silhouette of your passenger, for lack of a better term. Uh, long, f- messy, dark hair, deep bags under the eyes just like yours, impossibly pale skin, and unnaturally green eyes of a uh, shade you've never seen anywhere else. Oh, you're up already. You are no, too? you gotta stop sleeping in so late. You I can't the clock. keep this apartment if you don't uh, if you don't turn up for work on time. Check the clock. Check the clock. Check the clock. <laughs> um, it's about an hour past when you were supposed to be up and ready, but no one's come up to get you. You can hear the faint clinking of glassware downstairs, and the sound of faint music from the piano. You tell me you had me stay up while you were rambling about what you did, like, like, five years ago. I, did, did you make me lay on purpose again? It's not my fault. You're the one who chose to sleep in instead of actually waking up with the sun. I, uh, she, she immediately just puts her hair up and just starts getting her apron on and just starts to get, just goes down the stairs immediately not caring about breakfast or anything. He slinks down into your shadow again, but as you pass your shelf full of small collections, you watch you can hear them faintly rattle as he messes as he sort of runs his hand across the store shelf for lack of a better term. Some things knock over, nothing rolls off the shelf, but you can hear a as he clatters a number of things together with a, a low chuckle you only hear in the deepest parts of your mind. And as you come down the stairs, it is not busy, nor is it loud. Tea houses are very quiet places to be. And you recognize from the corner of your eye that Moander has slipped free of your shadow again and has taken a seat at a table that should not be occupied. Um, He's faintly pulling at the white doily cloth that covers the table, and you can hear the faint rattle of the cup being dragged as you as you link up with your boss, who is a portly dwarven woman uh, named Salma, who is stacking kettles and trays and just Darling, you can't you can't sleep in like that all the time. I know you're a busy girl who has a lot 
of work going on, and I know school's back tomorrow, and I could really use the help, but we'll live without you, but please, darling, if you could just actually be here on time, that would be wonderful. I... When you get a chance, there's breakfast in the kitchen. I made coffee and biscuits, and... You've got another customer uh, who requested you. That in itself is unusual for you. You don't normally get people who request you, but you recognize that the person there is actually not Moander. Moander is merely inhabiting his body for the time, for the moment. Does it look like he's going to tip over the, 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 the cup at all like he was before? It looks very much like that. <laughs> uh, she she holds up one finger. One second, one second, and I'm gonna go save the cup from being fell, fell over. So Moander pulls at the tablecloth, hoping no one notices, and right as the tiny, dainty, very expensive-looking teacup is about to tip, you catch it. Go ahead and make me a dexterity check. Oh no. Uh, that's a ten. With a, a minus ten. one. Nine. It's a ten, it's a ten. I'm just saying that the okay. modifier is minus oh, one. It was, a, it was eleven with a minus one, okay. Yes. You save the cup. You, on the other hand, tip over. <laughs> yeah, and makes sense. you stretch out, and you've got one leg out behind you, and you just lose balance and tip. And you are holding this tiny teacup in one hand as you don't send anything else crashing to the ground. But it's not a pretty sight. And you hear Selma just, girly. And with that, we're going to move to our next character. Near the center of the city sits the frame of a house of worship, taking up the space of two city blocks. The frame, however, holds only glass, even its belfry made of tall panes. And within is a lush, dense greenhouse. Within, one moment, within uh, the city's largest park flourishes and grows, plants from all across the world in magically controlled environments, tended to by a golem guardian. At the far end of the colossal greenhouse, there's a small wooden shed, blankets over the windows as the young fawn inside wakes and begins his day. Sam, if you could describe your character. Alright, so Alistair is short not tiny. He's 5'2 without his horns. With his horns, he's 5'6. They're rather large, and he likes to decorate them with, you know, pretty intertwined pieces of string, little little baubles, little decorations, and things like that. He is very, like, like not super strongly set, but he does have some heft to him. This is from carrying around big bags of fertilizer all day and digging and replanting and moving things around that need to be moved and things like that. And, uh, he has very deep, rusty-colored curly hair that falls to his, uh, cheekbones with tan skin just covered in freckles and the occasional scar from yard work and things like that. And he has very, very bright green eyes with spatters of gold within them. He also is very unique to his 
particular kind of fun because he has piebald fur, which is red, three different shades of red and big white splotches all over. And uh, he's he's just a little guy. He's so sleepy right now, but he knows he knows he needs to wake up. What is uh, what is his living space look like? Inside the shed, it's simple but comfortable. He doesn't really sleep on a a bed, so to speak. It's more of a like a huge beanbag on the floor, surrounded by blankets and pillows that he's kind of fashioned into a very comfortable, very warm nest. Nice. Uh, he uses uh, blankets and sheets to cover the windows to block out most of the light. And he has a couple of shelves here and there for his, his trinkets and his knickknacks that he collects on his little adventures throughout the city. So you... Alistair knows the city deeply in a way that few others do. You were born here your knowledge. You grew up on the streets, and only fairly recently did you luck into this position helping the groundskeeper at the Cathedral Botanica. Uh, Speaking of which, you see the shape of Gallic wandering outside, carrying a number of freshly started plants in her back. And as you open the door to the shed, uh, Gallic is about seven foot tall, very Baymax shaped, and made of peat moss. Uh, she has sort of she has very stubby legs and elongated arms with thick sort of stumpy fingers, and a pair of glowing gems for eyes that are set kind of unevenly, and you're not sure if they were always that way or if she was set that way. She's carrying a number of freshly started ferns that are planted in her upper back and shoulders. And as she speaks to you, it is, to someone who has not lived with Gallic for a while, utterly incomprehensible. (laughs) It does not sound like common, but you've gotten the hang of sort of understanding her. And it's, ah, dearie, wow, you slept in again. Oh no, did I really? Oh. Uh, there's not there's not much to do today, darling. You're going to be fine. Uh I know tomorrow you go back to school, but uh if you could help me and she sort of cranes what could qualify as her head, which is really more of top of the tear date tear duct teardrop shape of her body towards the ferns. If you could plant these over in uh over in uh, over in section four, that'd be wonderful. I've got to go pick up. Uh, I've got to go pick up a birch from downtown. We need it for the tree stand. Oh, of course, sure thing. And he he basically does a little scramble up upper back and just gently tugs the ferns out and carries them in his arms like a, just a bunch of little baby things. And he slides down off her back and. You know, gives her a wave goodbye. But I hope you have a good day and and walk safely. Last time you stepped in a puddle and some of you melted. Ah, <laughs> uh, I know, dearie. It's I'll I'll always be okay. I'm made of moss. And she reaches out and cradles your face in two slightly damp, mossy hands. <laughs> <laughs> 
and she he, tussles she tussles your sideburns and sends you on your way. He now has pieces of moss stuck in the little fluffy sideburns on his face. Oh, but he, he's happy enough and he goes about his day. And you know, he's just he's just living a nice life there in, in the giant giant magical garden. So what does he do in the uh, in the garden itself? Um he helps he helps guy like with her work mainly. He is also kind of like a night guard, making sure nobody breaks in and tries to steal the more uh magical elements of the of the of the garden because there are quite a few plants that are magically helpful in there but since they're in there for conservation you're not allowed to just go in and pick them uh so people do try to break in and steal specimens sometimes um but mainly he just he is kind of like a landscaper he moves things around when they need to be he plucks the dead pieces when they start wilting and things like that, and he, uh... He's also kind of a janitor. He cleans up and fix things, fixes things when they break. Are you going to venture outside at any point during the day? Outside the cathedral? He doesn't do that much unless he has to go somewhere to get something. He tends to keep mainly to himself unless he wants to go somewhere, as, like there's an event going on that he wants to be a part of. Uh, like a music festival or something like that. He mainly stays at least somewhat close to the cathedral. Okay. And with that, we're going to move on to the next character in the list. Almost directly at the center of the city stands Titan Tower, Petrichor's tallest building. Nearly touching the underside of Crown Rock, the building is the first of its kind, a skyscraper. Soaring brass arches and panels of opalescent white glass adorn the surface. But inside, behind a window masked from the outside by magic, sits a young woman knelt in prayer. Pre, if you'd describe your character. Hi. Uh, Antiope looks human. Um, has a, a sort of olive skin tone. Uh, black hair in a style I haven't exactly nailed down yet. <laughs> um very very tall very large um a lot of muscle on her um but also a little bit plump um and is dressed in sort of ceremonial armor uh and is currently like you said just you know knelt in prayer doing her daily prayers as she is a paladin Your room at Titan Tower, what does it what does it look like? Sparse probably. Um, you know, her few possessions kind of laid out in the room uh, meticulously and just like nice and pristine and everything, but she doesn't she doesn't own much, so there isn't really much to the room. Um so it it doesn't seem that obvious this this is somewhere that she's been staying for a while. You have a incredible look out over the city from, from your room. It's high up in the tower. Um, you, your windows are hidden from the outside, but when you look out, you can see not only the city center, but you can see the unmistakable shape of the goddess lighthouse, which 
the person who lives in Titan Tower has shared a secret with you. Your goddess, forgotten though she may be by most people, was revered here once long ago. And this lighthouse is in her image. People assume it's Karine, the goddess of water, but you know from personal digging and from what you know from Opal that this is a statue of Selenia. And it feels comfortable, in a way, to be able to look out and see the same shape that you saw back home so long ago. Yes. What does... What does Antiope's day look like when she doesn't have anything going on? Um... I think it's just a little bit of, like, a routine of... If Opal has anything that she needs her to do, she does that, or otherwise she's got a little hunt out for um, uh, relics and texts on... I I can't even pronounce my own goddess's name. What is her name? Selenia. Selenia, yes. Uh, Looking out for for texts and... um, artifacts of that keeping tabs out in the city in case anything comes in if new people come in check that out see if anyone's bringing in anything new um otherwise just going about her day um sometimes spreading the word of her goddess in not like a like preachy over uh pushy kind of way just kind of like hey this is a thing this is a goddess who exists she's cool um, when she has spare time in between. As you're finishing your morning prayer, uh, Opal does not visit you, but you hear the unmistakable kind of frump, frump, frump noise of uh, one of Petricor's many, many thousands of fabric golems called Hodmidots. These are the simplest possible construct. Uh, they are just scraps of fabric. The ones at Titan Tower are nicer than most. Uh, made of out exterior-wise silk and filled with cotton stuffing. And one of them toddles up kind of loose in its movements in a way that you're entirely familiar with, even as a relatively recent resident to the city. You've just kind of gotten used to how these things move. And its sack-like head totters back and forth for a second once it stops and just Brought you the text you, uh, the mistress requested. Anything oh. else for you? No, that'll be all. Th- thank you very much. Consider it done. And it hands you, for lack of a better term, it stretches its arms out, and the scrolls that you had requested from the library uh, sort of tumble out onto your desk, and it toddles off. Wonderful. Uh, she will definitely start looking them over being careful not to, if they are a little aged, to be careful handling them. Uh, You are currently looking at a set of thieves maps for parts of the city that indicate stashes that Opal suspects may have some sort of relic. Which, you haven't been pursuing leads over the summer because you haven't really had much of a chance to on account of um, mostly being needed for help around here, but with coming into your third year at Avenir, 
you know you're going to be allowed to adventure in the city. So you requested every lead she might have to be investigated over the year. Gotcha. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to cover before uh, we move on to the next character? Um, would she be pursuing these thieves things right away, or does she have classes? Um, you aren't sure because you haven't entered your third year yet. But most, you know, from other students, that most of your third year is spent off campus. It's, it's mostly look, third year is where you do all your field work. Gotcha. She might look into at least checking these places out, if not just like just like trying to get a scope. Uh, what is it called in cop shows? Um, when you s- scout out a stakeout. Stakeout. Yeah. Do a little stakeout. Of the you area take a few notes. Um, one of these looks like it's pretty close to where Nadir lives. Um, another is in what you think might be a safe house uh, towards one of the steps. And another purports to be hidden in the aqueduct under the Cathedral Botanica. So these are all notes. You're basically copying notes to take into the school with you. Gotcha. Alright. Oh, and one thing I should mention about Antiope, because I forgot to mention it and how she appears, uh, she looks to be around uh, 17 years old. 17 or 18. Probably. Uh, just as you're finishing taking notes, the a different set of footsteps approaches your, your door, and the almost porcelain doll-like shape of uh, opal, uh, slides open your door. Deary, uh, are you finished with those? Yes, Miss Opal. Good. I want you to know that I'm very lucky to have found you in the situation that you were in and to find someone with a similar interest in preserving Selenium. It is important to the both of us, I know. But and she she sort of wrings her fingers in a way that makes you like she she's wringing her hands in a way that you're not familiar with. She hasn't done before. Okay. Don't forget to live your life, either. I am living my life. I am... I'm doing what I want to. Which is... Guess gestures to the maps and stuff. This. I, I know, but there is a danger in losing yourself in one's work. She, she just kind of blinks... And just clearly, it's like the idea is not going through at all. She reaches into a coat pocket and brings out a small black silk pouch and sets it on your desk. I made some room in the budget for you to have a little more so you're not eating so much at the the mess hall and maybe spending 
more time with your friends. I know you're entering your third year, and you'll be out in the city a lot more, so I thought it would be pertinent that you should get some money to spend. Yes, a bigger budget would be useful in the search. Yes. In the search, yes, but in other things as well. Blank face. My, <laughs> my airship will take you tomorrow. But you are welcome to come back for the weekend anytime. Thank and you, Or if you need to browse the library again. Of course. Thank you very much. Good luck, Antiope. And she closes Thank the you. door slowly. And with that... We are moving to the next character in the list. Far below Titan Tower, across the center of the city and into a neighborhood that is almost entirely the opposite, is a small building on Gutierrez Street, in a neighborhood of Calamesca immigrants. A vendor hawks street food from a stall below in front of a hand-painted mural of the slaying of the great green dragon, Walpa. And in a small room of this tenement, cluttered but cozy, a young woman begins her day. Bree, if you could describe your character. Eliza had woken early, well before the sun. It was the only way to get a chance to use the one bathroom for all ten apartments on the third floor. She had taken I'm glad a shower. At least one player wakes up early. <laughs> Eli- you have to. There's only one bathroom for ten apartments. <laughs> Eliza had woken so she could shower early and begin her day. Unlike most days, she wouldn't have to work today. Normally, she would help her father with his fishmongering duties in the morning, and then help her mother at her laundrette in the afternoon. Today, she gets to relax. Well, mostly. After her shower, she returns to her room, drying and braiding her hair into a long plate. It reaches nearly her waist now. Over summer, she'd sprouted a whole four inches, going from 5'3 to 5'7. And now her clothes don't fit properly. Her white linen blouse doesn't come quite as low as she'd like to tuck into her skirt, and her skirt's a good three inches too short, showing her ankles, mostly her boots when she has them on. She sits at a small altar she's put in her corner with pictures and drawings of her ancestors in the land of Kalmeska, the land she'd never gotten to know that her parents had been driven out of when she was just a baby. And she prays to her ancestors and her gods that her school year will be a productive one. She leaves her bedroom and has a small breakfast, nothing but water and buttered bread, and knows that today she's been set with a task. She's been entrusted to go to the market and buy food for the family before she gets to leave. The street below is lively in a way that a lot of other neighborhoods in the city aren't. Ah. The neighborhood is in better shape than some parts of the city, especially the Warrens, but it's not a wealthy part of the steps. It sits near the edge of the city center and isn't quite fancy enough to climb up into into the rest of the staircase. Uh, trolley cars do rattle through 
uh, two copper to ride, you know these ones well. And the vendor calls out in, in Kalamaska, Hey, if it isn't little Liza. Need some breakfast? Good morning. It's nice to see you as well. Unfortunately, I've already had some breakfast, but I sure could use something for my parents. They need something nice once in a while, you know? Oh, I know, I know. I've got a fresh roasted goat. I could... How much for it? Well, I was hoping to maybe send you off with a birria skewer? You know. Suppose. I think four copper feels fair for someone I've lived next to my whole life. The vendor is a little younger than you. Maybe 15. Um, he's very much boyish in every sense of the word. He, he He's gangly and awkward in a lot of ways that you find both charming and sort of in that younger, in a, in a sort of younger kid who has a crush on you way. He doesn't quite know where he ends, and you've seen him occasionally bang his knuckles into into his cart when he's trying to get something out of it. Uh, his name is Antonio. He's actually lived next door to you most of your life, and while you're not friends exactly, the two of you are aware of each other. And you can tell he's trying to butter you up. Sweet of you, Antonio. I'm sure my parents will appreciate me being able to save a little bit of money. I hope you're not giving everyone those discounts, though, or you'll be out of the house. I know, I know. But... It's hard not to offer pretty girls discounts. Oh, well, thank you. That's very sweet of you. But you know me. I'm married to in school. Right as you say that, the trolley car behind you rattles to a stop right where you need it to. You know the schedule in and out. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've got to go. I have many things to get today. My parents are insisting that I buy myself a few new pieces of clothing today for the new school year. You hook an arm onto the outer bar of the uh, of the trolley car and let it carry you away, and you watch Antonio look kind of like kicked puppy, giving you the, the big the big eyes and the slightly kicked puppy expression as Oof. you rattle off towards the market. <laughs> Kalamesca markets, even ones here in Petricor, are loud. There are streamers of paper lanterns, and there's always something going on out here in this neck of the neighborhood. And as you're starting to, to gather everything in your, your satchel, um, you recognize the shape of your father out selling fish, just a huge cart of the day's catch, which he catches down in the warrens and has to pay someone to kind of leave him alone about it, but who always gets pretty decent catches. He's portly, but tall. Uh, he towers over you, he has a huge, thick mustache and a scruffy beard that he refuses to trim, says it makes him look dignified. Uh, and short hair with a bald spot on top that he doesn't really care to cover. 
He throws one of his thick, hairy arms around you and just, Ah, Liza. Ah, oh, that's my girl. You're embarrassing me. I see me. you're out, uh... Oh, come on. It's just the family. There's people around. Is your old dad really that... Im- your old dad really that much of a burden? No, I didn't say that. Don't go putting words in my mouth. You know I love you. Love you too, little girl. You're gonna leave us for another few months again. I know. I know, but just think. You'll have your bedroom back. I know, but... You're lucky I have that pension from the guard to retire on. And he shifts the leg he injured um, that allowed him to retire early and take a more set job running a fishing trawler. (sighs) That boy tried to butter you up again? Of course. He always does. (sighs) He gives you a discount. You should take it sometime. Even... Even just for the food. No, but his parents aren't doing it great either, so I don't want to take advantage of his kindness. You always taught me not to be that person. <sighs> well, we're going to miss you around the house. I don't know what you're going to do without me on the boat. Hire someone. Maybe get to know them. Maybe drink too much with them. You know, the usual. Oh yes, the usual. Get into a bar fight once in a while with them. Mm Mm-hmm, I can see it now. What's life without a little brawl? Isn't that the truth? Go on, you've got shopping. Alrighty. Well, thanks, Dad. You know, I appreciate everything you do with me. Everything you do for me. And as you slip away from him after another hug and an I love you and a kiss on the forehead, you realize he's slipped a pouch of money into your backpack. Well, that'll definitely pay for a new set of clothes. Probably just going to save it, though, knowing me. What are the, the type of clothes you're looking to get? Um, she is looking for... A set of adventuring clothes. Okay. So, for gener- generally speaking, you're, the school provides your uniform. Uh, you know that much. But off-campus, mm-hmm. you're allowed to... Especially as third years, you're allowed to wear things that are a little more practical for, for everyday adventuring. Whereas the, the uniforms are a little stiff in places. So, what do your adventuring clothes look like? So she ends up going to a few different shops and she ends up bartering for a pretty good deal. Um, She finds a conversion kit for her boots, so instead of getting armored boots, she gets armor that goes over her boots to protect her shins and her knees. She buys a pair of pants and a tunic um, and a special corset that has a thin sheet of metal in the middle to protect her innards. Um, She ends up getting a pretty good deal on all of it and has enough to put back for a rainy day. Okay. Most yeah, most of the gear is leather, but it's all relatively good leather if a little older. It's a lot of it's stuff your father handed you down from his day in in the Petrocor City Guard. But 
it served you well over combat training in the last couple of years. Uh, and it surprisingly even held up the first time your magic kicked on. When you got royally pissed. Definitely has some scratches and wear here and there, but still all in one piece. Yeah. The, uh, you've gotten a number of pieces, like I said, you've gotten a number of pieces fixed into it. Um, and it's it's yours. It's it's family. It's a family heirloom at this point. Uh, the your sixteenth birthday per, or your fifteenth birthday present sits around your neck. It is a small pendant of a glass drop of what looks like blood that has never shattered, no matter how many times it's befallen some interesting falls. Um, you've never been in a situation where it's worked, like where it's needed to work, but your mother has told you that it will prevent you from bleeding out if you're ever badly injured. And as you take the trolley back home, you see one of these sort of descending alleyways that undercut the city in places. Because below the city itself, there is another city. The gutter, despite the name, is not a bad place to be at all. It's just the name for the collection of tunnels, caves, and structures underneath the surface. A whole second city to the one above you. It's home to those who can't walk in the sun, who come to the city above at night and ensure it never sleeps. Among the denizens is one young man, home alone in the early morning, kneeling in a ritual circle. Day, if you'd describe your character. Yes, Day. Um, so Day, over the summer, has gone through uh, some pretty noticeable changes. Um, his you mean Nadir? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Nadir's appearance has changed quite a bit. Uh, what what was once his half-drow grayish hue is now turned silver. Uh, black, uh, some black marks across his face, over his eyes. Um, he's kind of like a purplish hue with the silver. Um, and also some black, uh, black fingernails. Uh, some earrings, some rings. Like one of those leather bands on his wrist, you know? Um, Very he, 90s Molgoth. Yes, yes. He loves his cargo pants. He has uh, some some black cargo pants and some pretty cool boots that he tucks the cargo pants into. Um, on top of the shirt, he wears some very uh, open shirts showing his lack of chest hair. Um, and he loves cutting off sleeves. Just his favorite thing is to cut the sleeves off of whatever he's wearing. And what exactly are you doing in the ritual circle? So typically every morning uh, with Nadir's new newfound look, his new uh, his new gifts, he he now summons every morning. He casts Find Familiar and summons his best friend. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really say best friend. It's kind of an adversarial relationship. But he summons his 
this owl steed uh, was named Cypher. This is a uh, very small owl with uh, kind of I kind of think of like like Hoot Hoot from Pokemon, but like small, you know. So every morning, Cy- I was I was thinking elf owls or uh, cactus burrowing owls. Yes. That's what I was looking at. Burrowing owl was what exactly what I was looking at. Um, and he just because if he if he doesn't, Cipher gets a little little finicky. If it's been a while since he's, he's come around, kind of got a little attitude. It, it he kind of twitters about and and once you have finished the circle and burnt the incense, the owl sort of materializes in a way that sort of reminds you of something Ali can do. And he climbs into the sort of cut in your shirt mm-hmm. and nestles himself there, hanging on to the edge of your shirt and almost not weighing it down. And it looks up at you with those big interrogating eyes and the closest thing to a frown the owl can muster. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Do, do you want to? Do you want to just look at me like that, or do you want to go out? Here. All right, let's go. What does the house look like? It's empty right now because your father's out at his favorite bar. Yes. So it's very. Um, there is a very strict dichotomy you could tell exactly where uh you could tell exactly where my father went compared to my mother's section of the house um my father's you know got his his man cave with his beer bottles and his ales and uh weird stains you know and uh my mother my mother is uh clean uh you know the, the kitchen is pristine her office is pristine uh, there's a there's a study that's pristine, um, and those are typically the places that that uh, you know I, I try and uh, try and uh, stick to those because uh, my father, although although his area is messy, he will know if I've touched anything. Your father is a famous adventurer, extremely famous. He is the person on the one of the people on the mural depicting the slaying of the green dragon Walpa in Eliza's neighborhood. The first time you came to visit, you were kind of astonished to see that. Um, he's past his prime, despite no longer aging, and he hasn't taken on a job in a while, and it's starting to bother him. He spends most nights drinking and gambling away his considerable fortune at Salieri's, a bar underneath the city center. The house itself sits on an acre of strange black grass that only grows underground. And strings of magical lights uh, that do not 
cause strain to the skin like a lot of the uh, like the sunlight does to a lot of the denizens below. You cross the gate out into the street and see kobolds and ratlings and drow all wandering back and forth through the neighborhood outside your house. You live in a mixed-use neighborhood, um, which is why it's barely even a stone's throw to go see Salieri's, or to see Salieri's more or less across the street and a couple blocks down, or a couple Mm -hmm. houses down. Um, Where are you going in the gutter? You know, I think that um, since it's been a while since I've seen my, my father. I mean, I don't know when he could leave. Uh, I really, I kind of don't like him in the house, but also it's when he's gone, it's like something's missing. Um, so I'll swing by Salieri's. However, I won't go in. I would just, uh, just take a peek inside. Salieri's is the kind of the kind of dive bar that you wouldn't associate someone of status like your father hanging out in. Salieri, the Darrow who runs the place, is standing on a stool pouring up glass after glass of whiskey for your father, who is half slumped against the bar. Neither one notices you. There's a group of kobolds playing cards at one table who do clock you but don't say anything. And a... Dwergar, a deep dwarf, sits in the corner nursing a frankly frankly irresponsibly sized tankard. And it feels exactly like Salieri's always does. The air is thick with smoke, the floor is stained wood, and your father, as he is many nights, sleeps at the bar instead of being at home. He is there for both last and first call. I think I will uh, it's, it's about time for him to go so with this this newfound power that that he's bestowed upon me naturally I'm going to cast dancing lights right in his face and just one eye st- oh, yeah. kind of pops open and then the other and his blinking kind of falls out of sync for a second and he just Oh, why do I feel like my body's been through a rock tumbler? I mean, has it been? Not since I was 31. Yeah, that was a long time ago, Dad. He turns toward you, and the... Despite him being several hundred years old now, he doesn't look much older than you. He looks like he could pass for your older brother. Um, your father is deathless. Uh, he was born under the influence of the dark, and his pale skin, white hair, and you realize, not realize, you've known for a while that the black markings under your eyes are parallel for his. They look almost like tear stains. Uh, his hair is short and messy. He has grown a beard which is unusual for most elves, but not for Deathless. His is unkempt and scruffy, but not thick. And he slides the glass back over to Salieri and gets up 
question mark from the stool only to immediately fall off the stool. Dad, bring yourself up. I'm getting a little bit sick of this. I just miss when I could take jobs. He throws one sweaty arm on the counter and hauls himself up. <sighs> she home? He's out right now. Probably because she I knows you're coming in. back. Good, I can sleep in. Uh, you go to school next week. You go back to school next week, don't you? Yes. Yeah. I, uh... I'm a little Do nervous to, to tell see... him it's tomorrow? <laughs> uh, I'm a little nervous to see uh, my friends, but, uh... Since I go back tomorrow... Uh... We'll, we'll see. He looks up at you with watery, bloodshot eyes and just... You're going to do me proud, kid. I know that. Nadir uses his uh, invisible mage hand to uh, grab, a, grab a water and, and slide it down to his dad. Salieri looks at you over his sort of T-shade type sunglasses and or day glasses and just... You want anything to drink, kid? Yeah, right. In this shithole? Dad, let's go. Have you know it's the best shithole in town? Oh, I've heard. Trust me. And you hook, and hook yourself under your father's arm and start carrying him out. He has gone slightly to seed. Uh, very much like a sort of athlete past his prime. There's still a lot of that strength and grace there, but he's been putting on weight, he's been letting himself go, he is a mess of sweat right now. Why... Why did you come back, Dad? I thought I could be done with it. You, the, quote, greatest adventurer of all time? I could be done with it. I just didn't think I would want to go back to it. I mean, what's left to do? <sighs> I don't know, kid. That's why you gotta do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go to the academy, read some books. Can't I just follow mom around? She's going to need someone like you in the coming years. You know that, right? Yeah, I'll see it when I believe it. We can't keep it up forever. Who's we? Your mom and I. I certainly can't. Ah, Dad, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You keep saying you keep saying stuff like this, and you know, one day I'm gonna go and I'm not gonna come back. 
I know. I know. Ah, oh, sorry, Dad. I didn't didn't mean it. Look, just do me proud. I know you're gonna, but I uh, I look down at Cipher and uh, see if he approves or disproves. You get the little telltale notification that says Cipher will remember that. <laughs> you drop your father back off at the house and move on with the rest of your day. Are you heading up to the surface at any point? Uh, I think... Um, I think I'm going to see in the house if I can tell where my where my mom went. Um, most likely okay. she didn't go up to the surface, I'm assuming. She occasionally does. Uh, she knows how to handle surface light. Go ahead and roll a investigation check. Okay. That is a 14. 14. Um, you can piece together faintly that she went back up to one of her benefactors to talk about another dig. She didn't then, leave any notes of the sort, but there's some recent documents about it. She will probably know when she gets home, though, that you've been through her stuff. I think I will... I'll leave a note that says... Um, going up to the surface... I start school tomorrow. If I don't see you, I'll see you. All right. Uh, with that, I'm actually going to take a brief, fi like, less than five-minute intermission, and then I'll be right back, and we'll get to the second half of the episode. So, the day that school begins is a big day for the city of Petricor. The Skyport is flooded with students taking the flight to Crown Rock. The airships, all four of the school's personal airships are docked. How did each of you get to the station? Like, what method of transit did you take to get there? I'm curious. I assume trolley for, for Eleanor. If there's a trolley. Yeah, there's there's a number of trolley and train lines that run there. Uh, she'll take a trolley to to the airport. It's packed. You hear a number of people chattering about their their upcoming school year. Some first years, some second years, one or two third years, like you. As usual, she will stick to the back of the trolley and and just be sandwiched between people. And she constantly apologizes for bumping into people. I'm assuming Eliza's doing the uh, riding the train in India thing where she hangs off the back from a bar. How does Bosch get there? Uh, with congregation of family members trailing him up a little. <laughs> yeah, your your whole family is like trying to trying to give you food, trying to give you money, trying to just like. Oh, we got to take care of our our, our our run to the litter. 
Oh, Mama, I'm not that small. I had a growth spurt. <laughs> How does Ollie get there? Um, he probably just walks as far as he can until he has to take the trolleys and the trains. He he likes walking through the city. Uh, do your spirits join you on the journey? A couple of them do. Some fly, some sit on his shoulders. Others, they sit where they can, but it's, it's mostly just like, at most, four of them, probably. They fade in and out, but at most, four. How does Pre- or how does, uh, how does Antiope get there? Uh, remind me how big the city is? And how close I am to the school? Pretty large. You're close to the center. The skyport's not far away. Um, trolleys and trains crisscross the city. If you're really wealthy, you can pick up... Uh, you can pick a flight, like a personal flying item, to the uh, skyport to take the, tra- or to take the airship. Do I need to take an airship to get to the school? To the school? Yes. Uh, oh. The school controls how it gets there because it's on a floating island. Uh, above the city. Right. Okay, um, she'll probably just walk to, like, basically the public transit version of Sky Travel. Okay. So, yeah, you, you, you just hoof it to the station. How does Eliza get there? I'm assuming taking the trolley. Yeah, Eliza takes the trolley pretty much as far as she can, and then walks the rest of the way, whatever's left. Up to the, the Skyport, obviously. She cannot fly. So I need everyone to roll perception checks when they get there. I also will say, uh, Antiope gets up as early as she needs to to be able to make this within time, so she's not, like, running late or anything. She does not yeah. run late. This girl does not run late. Uh, 17. 17 for Eleanor. 15 for me. I... Roll a d20 for perception? Yep, d20, add your perception modifier. Oh my uh, gosh, I was muted. Second. Got a net 20. <laughs> I got oh, a shit. 5. A 5? Oh, yeah. You don't you're, see anything. <laughs> Eliza, you're kind of lost in the crush. You're seeing people you've seen, people you haven't seen, people you might have seen, maybe? It's uh, like, do I know these people? Everything's happened, and also this is so many people. I rolled an 11. So on the second page of your uh, on, of your fight club, you'll have uh, you'll have your skills. Ah, uh, plus three, so 14 perception. 14. Okay. So with the exception of Eliza, um, Nadir, you are the first to kind of. You're really good at spotting people. It helps that Bosch is seven feet tall. <laughs> seven and a half? That your, that your friend is a giant elephant man. Yeah, it's easy when it's Bosch. <laughs> can, can oh, yeah. Block him. Can you, we talk about the elephant to... in the room for a moment here? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. You're able to spot... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, on. Uh... There you go. Wow. I have to. Yeah. I have to. 
darn it, I was gonna get there, but you beat me to it. <laughs> <sighs> yes, you may talk to the elephant in the room. You may address him. So, N- Nadir, you immediately clock everybody in this giant crushing yes, spot, and- your entire party. Not all in one place. And I think I got uh, scattered. You could also probably see my see Cypher flying above, just like kind of circling me. There are about 20 familiars in, in the crowd, like flying overhead. Mm. Remember, you're yeah. going to a school for adventurers. Some kids are going to have I want to I want to sneak up behind Bosch and see if I can get him to, right. him to jump. <laughs> so Bosch is like uh, he's an artificer, so he has a little uh, companion robot called the Shield Defender, and like right now he is like snap fitting the limbs on and putting it together. Like it was mostly assembled, and now he's just getting it assembled, assembled. Now that we have room. Or we're he's getting sticking together. He's sticking sticking together an erector set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, his steel defender is like a mechanical little lion. It's primarily like black colored with some green highlights. Oh. That's pretty rad. <laughs> we have meme dungeon so, uh, for that. <laughs> Yeah, I got a four on my awareness, so if you want to sneak up on Bosch, go for it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think I, I, I call Cipher, Cipher down, j- jump back right, right in my, my crux of my shirt, and I just like sneaking through the crowd, you know, being a rogue. And I go, ah. Oh hey, Bosch. And Bosch just like jumps a little and like drops the leg he was holding. Let's go! Oh, hey, how's it going? And he turns to see you and like he almost hits you with a trunk basically. And then he just grabs you into a big old bear hug. Oh, uh, I, hey, uh, yeah, good to see you too. Yep. Hey, how you been doing? You have a good break? You eating enough? He, yeah, you know, you know, I. Trying out a new look. Definitely not so eating who, enough. Who had perception ah. above ten? Uh, I know Ollie did. I did. I have a seventeen. Okay. In the general I perception, a... I did. I had a sixteen. So everyone but uh, Eliza notices Nadir getting swept up into a massive hug by Bosch. <laughs> oh, Eleanor's joined that hug immediately after seeing that. <laughs> Running over and hugging her friends. There's oh. Of limbs to give hugs. Oh, hello, my friends. Why do you have so many limbs for hugging? <laughs> Hi guys. Hi, how you been? I miss you so much. It's good oh. to see you. So we got two Eliza and And Ty Oh, Eleanor. It's probably like I think like how how big is is Loxodon guy? Sorry, name. Bosch is seven foot six and uh, what like five hundred pounds. Uh, oh, and Taipei is close to his size. He's only three hundred and eighty three because bizarrely, 
they weigh between like 300 and 400, which does not seem right to me. For you know the whole, oh they have a big build and stuff. Like I think these guys should be heavier than that, personally. Yeah. But I yeah. She's she's around your like height, uh, the and kind of weight class a little bit then too. Uh, very much a, a Louisa kind of style built. <laughs> yeah. So very tall. I, I was gonna say, uh, I've I've sent uh to pre before the oh, yeah. bodybuilder Tamara Walcott, who is both quite plump and incredibly jacked. <laughs> that is the that is the thing I that is the one I love. That yeah, you've you've seen Antiope bench over six hundred pounds. Oh. Uh, Eleanor is the exact opposite. She is tiny, five foot two, and pretty, pretty not buff at all. <laughs> I, yeah. I really regret g- ending up in the middle of this uh, this hug. Then <laughs> you are you are now getting dogpiled from all directions. <laughs> you are weak. You will not survive the coming winter. <laughs> Gotta put some meat on them bones. Goes into the hug per se, but definitely pat pat on the shoulder for people. Once everybody hugs Nadir, Eliza, you clock what's going on. Yeah, I was like <laughs> looking out a window, and then, and then I turn around and I'm like, "Oh, those are people I definitely recognize." So I go over there. And I'm like, hey, then. how was your guys this summer? You look like you're having a uh, fun time there. Yeah, come on in here. Come in in here. Uh, I'm always Give down a for hug. a hug. And yeah. she absolutely joins the hug. And I, everyone I, notices that she's grown like a solid three inches and her boots add another three inches. So she's like 5'7 now. Or 5'10 with her boots on. I think in type he's like, what did I do? Bosh is like measuring her up. He's got his trunk. Dad's like, whoa. <laughs> Back to the... Last time I saw you, you were down here, and now you're up here. Yeah, I grew a bunch over the summer. He's using the he's using the trunk to point like Dumbo. <laughs> yeah, it's his measuring stick. Like I had to bend it this much in the past. Now I bend it up this much. Oh it's no! Funny, funny because everybody's in the hug, and meanwhile Alistair's just standing slightly outside of it, just waving. Okay, Bosch is going to use Bosch is going to use his telepathy to push you into the hug. <laughs> he screams. <laughs> goat noise. Goat noise. Okay. The goat scream just. <laughs> Wait, how, it's how a DC fourteen strength if you want to resist. <laughs> uh, he is five two without his horns. His horns are pretty big, so there he's like five 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 six with his horns. Uh, so Eleanor's technically the smallest, littlest one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, not counting the horns. I see the horns as like a, a decoration that can't come off. They're 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 the smallest equal. They're equal. They're equal uh, height. Equal small, small creatures. And Eliza is solidly in the middle of the heights. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it's hard to be remember. taller than Bosch. Yeah. yeah I don't remember how. Aries, do you remember how, how tall I sit in IBS? I can't. Remember. It was like she was like six foot uh, ten, I think, six foot nine. Yeah. So she's close. Six foot nine for the fun. Hee <laughs> hee, funny number. Hee hee. Well, everyone's been okay. Everyone had a nice, nice last day. Are you, are you ready to, you know, uh, do school again? I guess. 
Yes, I think so. I'm prepared for my studies. Yeah, I've, whatever. I've missed school to a great degree. I like spending time with my parents, but I miss seeing you guys and getting to do something different. Oh, dear, come on. Aren't you happy to see us? Well, yeah, I'm happy to see you. I don't want to be here. <laughs> ah, but I'm happy you're here regardless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me too, buddy. <laughs> are you still wrapped in the bear hug, or are you recovering at this point? We probably uh, let go by this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am wondering, like, how much, how well do we all know each other? Like, you've known each other for the last two years, and have, um, and have had a lot of so. Avenir simulates adventuring experiences in your first two years, and while you're never in danger, you feel like you are. Like you feel like you've been through some stuff together, and there are a certain number of things it's impossible to do without ending up liking each other. And tag-teaming a 12-foot troll is one of them. <laughs> you guys have been an adventuring party and a group of friends since your first week at Avenue. Um, Wait, we have, do we have all classes together? Um, you take a number of, like, you have a number of individual courses, but you all have some classes together. And any sort of, like, test or field exercise, you're all together. You've done some hanging out outside of school together. But for the most part, you guys have just been really good school friends for the last couple years. Now I'm wondering. Do you have a question? It's up to you whether they know. Mm -hmm. I shall think on it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be immediately revealed. Even if they knew it already, you can reveal that they knew it later. Wonderful. That would be good. I want to keep the secrets. So, you board the airship together, and it sets off for Crown Rock, which isn't far. It's a ten-minute journey at most. But the airship gives you time to kind of lean on the balcony together. Everybody wants the window seats. Everybody. All the time. It's like a plane. Everyone wants the window seats. <laughs> but the entire wall of the gondola of the airship is glass and you look at the city beneath and you think I'm going to be spending my next year making this town my bitch anxiety <laughs> <laughs> is just tracking like looking over the, the, the skyline like okay where is where are these points of interest that I need to go to and just like mapping them in her head like okay this is there this is that this is there this is that Eliza's just enjoying the view that she rarely gets to see more than anything else. I'm looking forward to getting to know more than just her little neighborhood. Eleanor is clutching onto the nearest person, kind of shaking at the height difference because it's so far off the ground. Okay, you, you, are, you are easily a couple thousand feet up right now. You were saying? 
uh, and Typey will definitely, like, like, if she sees that you're, like, nervous and stuff, will definitely, like, offer an arm to, like, hold on to and squeeze if you need to. Oh, Eleanor, without a second thought, latches onto it desperately. <laughs> yeah, so you just see her just going. Eleanor, your that. shadow extends again, and you faintly hear a voice behind you just, Come on, it's not that far of a drop. I've seen people take worse. Hey there, she, she looks behind her, talking to no one. <laughs> it's scary? <What's>... It's scary. <laughs> it's not scary. It's not even... That's not even 5,000 feet. I don't hear this voice, right? Nope. Okay, yeah, so hearing her say it's scary, I do, uh, and Typey just pats her hand and says, don't worry, it's okay. All of you know that she has... you know you know who she's talking to. You just can't hear them. Oh, you, just, you very much know Moander is the person that she has attached to her twenty four seven, and okay. that she's the only one who can usually. You've met him before. You've seen him. Yeah. Okay. He's appeared cool. to you. In, he's appeared to you in the past, but he cool. usually just likes to hang around and mess with Eleanor. All right. Okay. In that case, Entire will hear that and be like, "Is he messing with you again?" I almost missed work yesterday. I slept in for an hour because of him. It's it's not oh. been good lately. Be fine. It'll be okay. Don't worry. It'll be okay. You're so, doing your. Alistair was playing with one of his little spectral birds. Once he hears that she's having trouble with the person attached to her, he just kind of looks in her direction. And then his eyes just glaze over, and he stares right past her. He can't see this person, by the way. But he just kind of flips the double bird at the general area behind her towards her shadow and just goes, Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't like the person attached to her. Nobody's going to antagonize him. Oh, no. He got, he got nerfed. Don't worry. He's not gonna kill somebody. <laughs> I know, I know. Out of, char- out of character, though, Eleanor, Eleanor's still wary. Yeah. Just, just, be, just be nice, please. I don't want anyone not to get along. It's our first day anyways. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be okay. Right? Yeah, it'll be alright. How's Bosch taking the, uh, taking the height? Uh, he is making a joke that this is what Luxodons see all the time. Oh my god. <laughs> him I, I, like himself, this must be what Dumbo felt like. <laughs> I as a player hate that, but Entiope would chuckle at that in the green because she's all similar height. Oh, but I hate the puns. Eleanor will laugh too. Yeah, Alistair is nowhere near any of the windows. He hates being up high, so he's like in the middle of the center of the entire thing, just like huddled into a ball with his birds. Another arm will be offered in support. The airship docks with a sudden that you just feel reverberate through your bones. Another gun noise. You hear the rattling (laughs) of chains as the uh, as the gangplanks deploy. Uh, There is a railing on either side of each gangplank leading to the dock of Crown Rock, but on either side of that gangplank is just a drop. 
Oh, huh. oh no, not again. I, this is the least favorite thing that happens whenever I go back here. Don't worry, don't worry. You know I can- you, you know I'm good with falls. I can- don't worry. Oh, I know. Just as a reference, uh, she can just, like, if she is falling, just stop falling and just walk as if there's something under her, but there isn't. So yeah, you, you saw, you, you saw you, it in your final exam last year. Yeah, you know that if you fall, you're good with her. She's got you. So each of you crosses the gangplank. Who? Uh, what's what's the marching order? I'm curious. Not first. Eliza's. <laughs> Eleanor is not first. That's great. I'll be with Eleanor. <laughs> you know, Eliza's probably one of the first off. First. I, I think Nadir's the, uh, ra- uh, racing Eliza then. <laughs> yeah, she'd be down for that. She has no fear of falling. So the gangplank is about 20 feet wide. There's enough space for two people to run alongside each other without a problem. Do you two want to make me opposed athletics checks? Sure. Oh, yeah. Let's see here. Where is my... There we... uh, Oh, hey, nice. Okay. Let's try this dice. 13. 13? Oh, 11. 11. Hey. Eliza makes it across the, the gangplank first. Oh. And she's like sliding. laughing and giggling the whole time because she's having a blast. Sliding to a stop on the cobbles on the other side. <laughs> As at the other gangplank, uh, Antiope walks Eleanor across, slowly covering her eyes as Moander just kind of, it's not that far. Come on, they've even got railings. You can open your eyes. Steve just shakes her head and just doesn't say a word. She is refusing outright. <laughs> well, uh, Antiope walks her across on the other uh, gangplank while it's free of anybody else on it. Alistair just kind of taps his hoof out a couple times just to like test to see how strong it is. Extreme. And then just full runs screaming as fast as he can across <laughs> until he's like against the walls of the school on the other side just breathing heavily just <laughs> I could have come back up for you I didn't need to do that yeah, you, you're at the other side of the dock now leaning against a wall <laughs> he's scared he's so scared he hates height I'm assuming Bosch just kind of like trundles across Yep. <laughs> I I did try and say Bosch would go first, but since that got missed, I think Bosch just got a little distracted. He's like, hold on, there's something a little wrong with Thunder here, because I don't mm-hmm. know if I said earlier, Thunder's the name of his steel defender. So he got a little oh. distracted trying to clear out this grit when everyone started walking off. He's like, oh, shoot, <laughs> and he just waddles out after Oh no, he's he's attempting the forbidden dice stack. Oh no. You know, it's going to be great out of context for uh, listeners. Yeah. For they context, don't have the chat. I'm trying, I'm trying to stack my dice, all of seven of them in one stack. The I forbidden dice any. stack. I painful. I don't have any physical dice on me right now. I'm just <laughs> using digital ones. I always keep physical dice. None of my other DMs let me use my physical dice, so I don't get to use them because it's I'm all a dice goblin. 
You get to use them here. I'm a we dice have a cop. We have a math um, rock shopping network. No, no, I just gotta fucking find them. <laughs> oh, what happens next? Peace. Like that was getting ready to pounce, and I could just feel the vibrations throughout the bed. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That's so the the six of you cross onto the dock of the airship, or onto onto the dock of Crown Rock, and the school stands in the distance. You've been here a total of 220 days. The the main building is seven stories high and is an almost kind of like baroque looking almost Tower of London or Cathedral type building with a huge great hall and a number of outbuildings forming large wings on either side which contain the classrooms. A number of these classrooms are actually pocket dimensions where you've done things like learn how to sail a ship uh, and fought things far larger than should have been able to fit in those rooms because of the magic here. And you see standing on a podium or not a podium, a temporary stage three figures the headmaster the chief librarian and the chief of security at the school each of them separating students by first, second, and third years. The librarian takes the second years, the headmaster takes the third, and the chief of security takes the first. You recognize each of them because the last two years, you've been sorted the same way. The chief of security, Nimdok Fievel, is a tall hobgoblin with long dreadlocks that dangle to their chest, adorned with rings, and beads, and all kinds of fancy, oh holy shit, Sam did it. He made the legendary dice stack. Nice. The... <laughs> this is going to uh, be great for the listeners. <laughs> their frame is broad and tall. They have just a... they look built. You've seen them fight an actual threat to the school ones. Uh, their flail hangs from their plate armor, and their tower shield sits at their side. They are here to inform the first years that this is not a place to be fucking around. <laughs> yes, we ascribe to the fuck around and find out rules Yeah, here. they will teach you the scientific method. You fuck around, and then you find out. Yes. The Bosch wakes years, high with his trunk. <laughs> they look a little surprised at you. Like... You, you can briefly see in the way their face paints uh, reflects the light that they've raised one eyebrow at you. The yeah, second Eleanor, years... Eleanor's second looking years embarrassed. Been, okay. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The, <laughs> the second years are being handled by the famously stone-faced librarian, Yenin Naboris, the headmaster's wife, who is a tall blue-skinned tiefling with long, curving crescent horns. She's one of the few tieflings you've actually seen with irises and pupils, which is unusual. She wears long, flowy silk clothes, and a estoc hangs at her side. What's an estoc? It's kind of like uh, a longsword, but really thin. So like a uh, 
fancy thing? Kind of. It's, it's, imagine a rapier that's been scaled up to the size of an English longsword. Oh. It hangs from a frog, a sword frog that's uh, dangling from her belt. Uh, you have seen it in fencing demonstrations. The headmaster, however, directs you. He's a tall, dashing man. Half-elf. Uh, ears cover... The tips of his ears are wrapped in a, a gold cap. The, his hair swoops down, mostly black with a little tinge of gray along one side. Brilliant blue eyes. And an incredibly suave-looking suit. Just, right, so all of gather around, are... gather around. Ah, third years. You finally made it. I know, been right? Took so... <laughs> <laughs> You've been putting in the work. You've been making the progress. Guess what? Now, you get to the real fun. You get to adventure. Yes. We have quite a surprise for you. We're going to go to the Great Hall. I've got something quite great in mind. I would like at least one party to stick up their hands and be ready to take your first exam of the final year. Uh, and Tybee's hand immediately goes up. Yeah, Eliza <laughs> immediately raises her hand as well. I'm seeing one. I'm seeing two. So, uh, due to his uh, unfortunate nature of doing really stupid things at really wrong times. He was stretching and Alistair kind of stretches in a way to make it look like he raised his hand, but he didn't. He was just stretching. I see three. Too late. He, he immediately pulls it back down and he's like, wait, a me? No take back, sees goat boy. <laughs> um, that's offensive. Wait, wait, we're not doing this right. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not he just got right. called a slur by his headmaster. <laughs> and IP will fight him for you. <laughs> like, like Eleanor is just staring at her. Don't, don't raise your hand, please. Don't do, don't do this to me. We're not, do, no, no. I'm not ready to get in front of people and do this right oh, now. Come on, it's not the most offensive thing he said. We might as well get this over with. And the deer lazily raises his hand. I count oh. five. I count six. Oh no! I we have a party. Eleanor hasn't raised her hand yet, but slowly does after a solid five-second break. We have a party. Oh yay! Oh, this you are nice. just—you are about to have the greatest test I could have put you through. Oh, yep. No. Okay. And type. I should say, is at all times just smiling. Just happy. Up on stage, the audio. I hate pests. Eleanor's Yeah, Eleanor is hiding behind Bosch. Not one yeah. cool better. Yep. He just Bosch slowly taps his way up there. So, are you all just getting up on stage? Yes. Yeah, the sad click clack of hooves across the ground, <laughs> just like dejectedly, just. Uh. I'm Pete, and Typey is fully not and not registering that some of her party members did not want to do this. It's just like, yay, we get to participate. I think uh, oh. Nadir looks uh, looks over at Eleanor. He's like, uh, he says, 
Is, uh, is Bowander gonna participate with us, or? And well, the shadowy form of Moander appears to the two of you this time. You're goddamn right I am. What? Oh. What? Wait, I can hear you now? Oh. I can appear to whoever I want to, buddy boy. No, 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 no. You're not, you're not gonna ruin this test. I need to... This is my last year. This is hey, my last year. Hey, you help us out, we'll help you out. How about that? Wait, no, hold on. I'm going to keep you alive, Ellie. I, you do, yes. You help me with my powers, but technically you siphon them. But anyways, it'll be fine. Just don't don't cause any trouble, please. And, and don't, you know, don't do anything bad, please. I'm begging you. Moander's shadowy hand reaches out and ruffles your hair. Okay. We're going to okay. be all right. We're going to be all right. Okay, okay, everything will be fine. You just gotta trust in me, okay? Okay, I can do that. Oh, oh, he's like creepy, creepy. He's surprisingly less creepy. (laughs) Just like behind the scenes. This is is Moana 2.0. Sinks back into the show. (laughs) Okay, okay. Eleanor is a lot more relaxed now, assuming like everything's just fine now. Okay. The headmaster, Tobias Avenir, brings his hands together and throws his arms to the side. And you watch as the front door of the Great Hall opens, and then a room that is impossible in size appears inside it. There is... And he flicks his hands, and the whole stage just slides into place at the doors of the Great Hall. <laughs> the room that it is turned into has a deeper set portion that you can see stairs leading down into that is a sand, almost a sand arena about 50 foot by 50 foot at the opposite end of the room another stone sort of stage with more stairs it sits there and in it is a large spherical device with a pair of bars sticking out of the front that kind of angle in and you can see a number of red globes uh, for, that sort of arc up around the shell of it Across this room is a 10 foot by 10 foot bridge. And at the center is a podium with a red button on it. And at 10 foot intervals along the arena walls of the sand pit arena, there are shuttered metal doors. doors close behind Tobias and you see those students that were sitting outside those other third year students that were sitting outside suddenly appear inside the auditorium like the auditorium steps mm-hmm. that are on the edges of the arena and behind large panels of glass well lucky volunteers we're gonna have you 
try out our new our new first year test. You win, you're gonna get to carry live weapons on campus, and you're gonna get your adventuring permits early. You're, gonna, you're not gonna have to wait the first. You're not gonna have to wait the first month to start adventuring for the school. You'll be able to really right off the bat. Typey looks very, very excited. Flash too. Eliza's also very excited. I get my cool sword. <laughs> we are holding on to that for you. But she didn't say that, but she's thinking it. <laughs> that button. And he points to the podium with the button on it. And Bosh rubbed his hand let. thinking about pushing it. Do not let your opponents push that button. What if I push the button? Nothing happens. It's just okay. when your opponents push the button. That's a little disappointing. Actually. That, and he points to the, the spherical shape at the far end, is an arcane cannon. One of you gets to pilot that. One of you gets to guard the button. The rest of you are down here keeping things from getting to the button and from the cannon. Typey very much Who's going where? Typey very much wants to do the cannon, but knows she's probably better at a, as a guard position, but oh my god, the cannon! Uh, water vehicle proficiency, he might be good at piloting a floating magical cannon, I don't know. It's not floating, it's, it's kind of like an anchored turret position. Oh, okay. Eliza goes, Eliza goes for one of the defense positions. Okay, so there are a pair of sort of sloping staircases that lead up to the bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, are you heading for one of those? Yes, and I'm. A, do we have our weapons already, or are they going to give us weapons? You have a, um, you have a school issue weapon. Okay. That only works on the grounds of the school and projects a sort of crystalline light. Okay. In place of an actual business. Act. Okay. Cool. It can't hurt other people, but it can damage the constructs the school uses for training. Gotcha. Uh, sir, for strategy purposes, will we be attacked? Very much so. Alright, I need to be defender, I'm the healer. Elmer just starts walking over there. <laughs> so, from the, from the crest of the bridge to the arena floor below is a 20-foot drop. There are no railings on the bridge, it's 10 foot by 10 foot. The podium in the center is about a 15-foot sort of circle. This isn't going to be an issue for me. I'm good. I'll try to see near the back area, like, uh, to make sure I'm not near the, the bridge where the button is, because that ain't my job to be the defender of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll post okay. up as so a the, defender. You're trying, to get, you're trying to get under the bridge, is my guess? Uh, just anywhere where I can be, like, part like, uh... So the bridge is high up. I assume it's like, is there any land like before the bridge at all? Um, so the bridge connects the sides of the arena and these staircases, you can kind of get a look from looking at it, which is that once the test starts, all the staircases are going to retract. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be able to get up there once you're on the bridge. All right, and so there's, there's only the bridge, right? There's the bridge, and then a second stage at the far end of the platform has the cannon on it. And what is the bridge made out of? Uh, the bridge is stone, and then it's a twenty—it's a twenty-foot drop from the platform on the bridge to the arena. 
I understand it more now. I'm just gonna stay on the bridge, but not near the button. Just kind of like uh, a okay. little bit, a little bit back. Okay. So the bridge spans horizontally across this arena. Like probably like so, I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be like 30 feet from like 30 B 60. Uh, no, 40, 40 from the button. That's it. Okay. Alistair will probably join Eleanor around that area bridge. Okay. He's like so midline you're, you're defense each on, position. You're each on on one side of the bridge, planning for the approach. Yeah. With um, who's uh who's who else is on the bridge? Because we got two on the bridge, three on the bridge. Is on the bridge where you're defending. Yes. Then I'm on the bridge. So okay. so is Nadir. Okay. Nadir is getting on the bridge as well. And I know if Nadir falls off, you can use the Boots of Agility to 27 Jump Street your way up there. Yeah. He has a 27-foot vertical leap because of his, uh, because of his boots. Nice. I'm very envious. <laughs> I just... You have a jump height of one. Yeah, I just straight up <laughs> more you're... gravity. I will also Open ask... Hand jump. <laughs> I, I will also ask if we are allowed to do prepared buffs or no. I would say so. Alright, alright. Just, Tom, just, uh, I have one thing I want to cast. Cast away? Uh, I do a lovely second level bless. Okay. Uh, Are you targeting with bless? It's going to be me and Tyope, Eliza, the deer. And I don't know, I want, I want to know the capabilities of the, of the, uh, I keep thinking, uh, the satyr? The satyr isn't the, uh, uh what, what class? Alistair. What class is Alistair? Alistair's a ranger. Oh, okay, I'll give it to... Well, will... Will the arcane cannon have to make attack rolls or no? Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be making attack rolls. How far away is it from the bridge? Uh, it's 25 feet from the bridge. Alright, I'll give, uh, then, uh, the bless as well. And that's everyone blessed. Okay, who's who's grabbing the cannon? Uh, Bosch is. Bosch is grabbing the cannon. Yeah. Oh, it's only it's only uh four people. Sorry. Uh, that's who doesn't want bless that I already gave to. Who doesn't need it? I will minus Eliza then, if no one else is saying. What is what does bless do again? Uh, one d four. D four on attack rolls and saving throws. Yep. Uh, I could lose it. All right, Eliza and Ty, P, Bosch, and me have it then. Okay, so um, who's on? So we've got Bosch in the cannon. We've got Alistair and Adir, Eleanor, and uh, and then Ty, P on the bridge. E. That puts Eliza on the ground. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we'll we'll we'll. Ch- Check over the bless when we get back next week because we're we're gonna do the fighting part next week. Yep. But the you take up positions. Uh, Bosch cast presses agitation to slap his face on the cannon. <laughs> oh my god! You're turning the sphere into an elephant head. Uh, I'm just putting a like a sticker on basically. Like a uh, I was thinking of like paint. you turning it. I was thinking you were turning the shape of the the cannon into an elephant with its trunk out. Do we well, have that's like a little more advanced illusion? I'm just using a prestidigitate. Okay. 
Do we have a minute to prepare? Yeah. Can you? Can I cast the, sanctuary? It will start. Uh, let me check what sanctuary does. Uh, you hold a creature within range against attack until the spend spell ends. Any creature who targets the warded creature with an attack or harmful spell must oh. first make a wisdom saving throw. Please give yeah. that okay. to me. That's so good on me because I don't do damage really. That's not my job. Yes, you can take it. On a failed save, okay. the creature must choose a new target or lose the attacker spell. The spell does not pr doesn't protect the warded creature from area effects such as the explosion of a fireball. If the warded creature makes an attack, casts a spell that affects an enemy, or deals damage to another creature, the spell ends. Okay. Yes. So, that'll be the logistics side of that. So, each of you has a school-issued weapon. Uh, Eliza, that's your halberd and battle axe. Nadir, that's your uh, rapier, I'm assuming? Yes. From your from your art? Yeah. Um... Eleanor, do you have a weapon? Technically, I have a mace on me, but no one has probably ever seen me use it. I'm, okay. I'm just a small you just have, like, the You have the empty haft of a mace sitting on your waist. Mm -hmm. uh, Antiope, you have a great sword of school issue. I also have several other weapons. Do I get other kinds of that? Oh, he left. Oh, <laughs> oh no. What? He's back. Okay. Hi. Hi. Uh, yeah, I got dumped from the call for like a split second. Okay, I was just asking, do I get, um, I have other weapons as well. Do I get cool versions of those? Yes. Or just, okay, cool. So I have a javelin, whip, um, and the greatsword. Yes, you do. Yes, I'm going full Wonder Woman. This shit. Fight me. Yeah, you just have school issue versions of all of those. Awesome. Coolio. Um, so, just to make sure we're on the right track with logistics for when we set up next week. Uh, Eleanor, Antiope, Alistair, Nadir on the bridge. Huh? Bosch on the cannons. And Eliza on the ground. Yep, so the buttons on the ground are on the bridge. The buttons on the bridge. Okay. And they're going to be coming from both ends of the bridge? Both ends of the bridge and also the outlets on the ground. Okay. Should we have uh -oh. more people on the ground? I would like to be not the only person on the ground. How about uh, I, I might join you on the ground to have the two... For strategy purposes, the tank should be split up, and then either me or the state have to go somewhere else. Um, yes. So you have you have two fast attack, which would be your rain, which would be Alistair and Nadir. And you have two tanks, which would be Eliza and, uh, and I guess Antiope. Alistair can go on the ground. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Alright, so he'll just pop over onto the ground. Yeah. Actually, yeah. if they're going to come from both sides of the bridge, I'm going to come to the middle of the bridge then, because that's the most safest then, apparently. Yeah. Okay. I'm so going to kind of alternate ends of the bridge, and I'm going to cast uh, I don't know if I can prepare an action, because I kind of don't want to do it yet, but I want to you do uh, mold earth. Okay. Since, I would that, say since that's, that's a, a five that's foot a, cube. Use your action to prepare a reaction, yeah. And just make it difficult terrain on at least just one side. Okay. So the headmaster stands at what you realize is an announcer box and taps his throat like uh, like he's casting a spell and just Is everybody ready to begin? Yep. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, yes, yep. sir. 
Alistair nods. Let the test begin, and he snaps his fingers. And for those of you on the bridge, the two shuttered doors at each end of the bridge up into open spaces. And for those of you on the ground, two of the doors closest to or on the opposite end, sort of vertically from that, up on the bridge, two gangly clockwork soldiers come trundling out. They have blade, uh, blades of crystalline light for arms, and a sort of spherical-shaped torso and stick-like legs, and a little bird-shaped head. And for those of you on the ground, you're seeing almost metallic gorilla-type creatures come, two of them just walking on their enlarged forearms, and their back legs are so small, they hang, like, in the air open. This is gonna be fun. Hopefully. That's where we're gonna close the session and come back to next week. Yay! Oh my, for our first, our first combat. Man. Hell yeah. Awesome. Miranda is already very interested of a guy. Alistair likes animals, but not that kind of animal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just happy to be here. So we will be returning not next week, the week after. Okay. We will be returning to record August 1st. All right. Are we done? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Everybody have a great night. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on this premiere. It's, I kind of kind of stumbled a little bit when I first started, but hey, guess what? It happens. I didn't even So notice. we're looking forward to seeing everybody for for the 1st of August. Yeah. Uh, Yay. Yay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Night. Night. night.